0: greetings Stevens welcome to hail Satan. This is the podcast exploring Satanism, culture, and life in general through the eyes of modern Satanists. My name is Joseph Rose. I'm a member of an amazing independent congregation called Satanic Delco, and we welcome members from anywhere in the world. If you want to learn a little bit more, visit satanicdelco.com. Today, we're going to talk about music from the perspective of the creator. We're going to take a look at what drives people to create and perform and all of the things that go into being in a band from the inside. First, let's welcome a bunch of cool new Satanists that have chosen to join us on Patreon recently. We've got Zach, Jake, Brian, Luke, Marquis, CJ, Silas, Dana, Another Jake, Kevin, Wumbo, Aurora, Adrian, Jared, Kylie, Trent, Joshua, and Behelet. I'm sure I'm fucking up some of those, and I apologize, guys. Thank you all. This is really nice, and I appreciate all of your support. I hope you all get in there and continue to make Satanic Delco the finest congregation in all the land. Thank you very much. If you have a moment out there, please visit the website at HailSatanPodcast.com. You'll find links there to join me on social media. There's a form to send me an email, which I would encourage you to do, and there is a link to join up with us all on Patreon. We have a few different tiers to choose from with various benefits, including the amazing Greetings from Hell Satanic Postcard of the Month Club. That is the most direct way you can support me and the show. If you'd like to do that, visit HailSatanPodcast.com. Some of you may be wondering, why is this a topic on this show? Is there any connection to Satanism? And there is, but honestly, I'd be doing this episode regardless. Being a creator in the general sense— has been a huge part of my life and identity for as long as I can remember. And as I've surely mentioned many times, music has been a primary ingredient of my life all along. So of course this episode belongs here. As for any connection to Satanism, the celebration of musicians, artists, and creators generally goes back to Anton LaVey and the very foundation of modern Satanism. Anton himself was a musician, as is Peter Gilmore, I believe, of the Church of Satan. In his pentagonal revisionism essay that we just covered on the show, Anton LaVey says, the productive, the creative, the resourceful should be subsidized. An elevated value has always been placed on on creators within Satanism. Also on the Church of Satan side of things is a book cringely titled The Satanic Warlock by Magister Dr. Robert Johnson. In it, he writes of a satanic archetype called the creative. He says, This warlock lives for his creations, whether they be artistic, commercial, or purely intellectual. Always on the fringe and always exhibiting a certain amount of flair, the creative warlock often chooses his passion over all else, including interpersonal relationships. He may enjoy a good party, especially in his honor, but he may also lock himself away at work for weeks or months on end. His burning need to bring his ideas to life and his ability to focus and immerse himself in whatever he undertakes make him dynamic and irresistible. Creative Warlocks Change the World, a concept best illustrated by example. He then goes on to list some iconic examples like Steve Jobs, Bob Dylan, Salvador Dali, Frank Lloyd Wright, Leonard Bernstein, Mark Twain, Langston Hughes, Stanley Kubrick, and Pablo Picasso, among others. And in true Church of Satan style, the writing style there is, you know, it's for some, maybe not for all, uh, but we get the idea. He, He certainly speaks some truths in that description. If we're looking for direct connections to Satanism or Satanic philosophies, how about the Satanic Temple? Of course, the answer there is no. TST's entire philosophy exists in seven tenets, and they make no acknowledgement of art, music, creators, or anything like that. How about outsider Satanism? Well, yes, one of our values is wonder. I won't go deep into that here because that will be the focus of an upcoming episode that dives deep into that topic. But the extremely short version of it is that wonder is the value that contains magic. And among other things, the magic in my life relates to sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Music is an area that is often stigmatized and looked down upon in some religious cultures. Surely many of you have known or heard about people who weren't allowed to listen to rock music or weren't allowed to play guitar, more or less because it's all the work of the devil. For most of us, consuming music is a common and really great thing. I love it and do it all the time. Creating is a different beast altogether. I don't remember what episodes it could have been in, but I'm certain that I've talked about this distinction before. I've always felt that people can be divided into consumers and creators. They are two very different mindsets that often lead to dramatically different life experiences. But all right, let me introduce my wonderful guest today. We are joined by the other half of the amazing rock band, Knolling Bones. Welcome, Julie.
1: Thank you. Knolling Bones is the best band in the world. I'm not (laughs) sure if Joseph has ever spoken about it at length in the
0: past. I don't think that I've ever even said the name of our band up until this episode. Really? I have recently mentioned that I have a band. And I did get a good handful of messages. I got several messages from people listening saying, hey, what's your band? Is there a link? What's the name? And I didn't even say it during the episode because I wasn't trying to make it about my band. I was just talking about whatever I was talking about. But now's the time.
1: (laughs) Of. Of all the things I've heard this week, this is the most surprising. I can't believe you haven't been using every platform to talk about our amazing I have mentioned it
0: on the Instagram for the podcast here, but not on the show itself. So yeah, Julie and I are in a band together. We are all of the members in the band, and the band is called Knolling Bones. K-N-O-L-L-I-N-G. Bones.
1: I'm so pleased to, that, that I get to be a part of this first <laughs> unveiling of the band to the world.
0: Yeah. And I guess before we even get too far, just in case, because I don't know where our conversation will go, what we're going to exactly talk about, Julie did just force me to get kind of stoned before we recorded this. So beware.
1: I really had to, to twist his arm to get this to happen. Yeah. I'm sure that you understand.
0: We're here to talk about why being in a band is awesome and what goes into being in a band. And so why don't you tell us the answers to all of that?
1: Yeah. Wow. Right? (laughs) Being Uh, in a band is awesome. It is awesome. We 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 can can agree on that.
0: Yeah. Tell us some of your history. What made you first want to play music? What did you hear or see somewhere in early life that had such an impact that you were like, I want some of that?
1: My mom had put me in piano lessons as as a small kid, which I hated because I I didn't like to do any of the things that you you have to do when you're in piano lessons, namely practice and care and uh, want to do a thing, which I didn't. So, like, that that fell off. I I learned how to read music, but you know, kind of crappily. What age are we talking? Like seven.
0: And you could read music.
1: I mean, slowly. I I can still read it, yeah. just not quickly enough to be able to like participate sure. in a thing <laughs> right. that called for it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So dropped off of that like at eight or nine, didn't get much out of it. But when I became a teenager who had kind of a friend group and a musical taste then I started getting very interested in, in music just for music's sake.
0: What grade are we talking? I always know grades better than ages. Uh, eighth grade. Eighth grade, 13. Okay. And what were you into? What so, music was turning you on at eighth grade?
1: My very best friend at the time was a lovely then little girl, now extraordinary woman. Her name is Stephanie. And she, she was my best friend. We did everything together, and and the vibe as thirteen uh, year old Catholic schoolgirls oh. was to walk home after school, sneak cigarettes, uh, go. <laughs> you into were her smoking room. cigarettes, uh, like <gasps> oh yeah, like yeah. Surely, I and I was a really a nerdy goody two shoes kind of kid, but yeah. Steph was my connection into like a little bit of edginess the underworld Uh, the underworld and and part of the the underworld was was like going into a shitty diner (laughs) buying cigarettes from the cigarette machines that existed back then and then running away as fast as you could with the cigarettes that you bought because you were a child and you should not have been doing that at all (laughs) of course It's, it's terrible so, we'd we'd go into Steph's bedroom, she'd she'd light a stick of incense and dim the yeah. lights and we would have an awesome freaking teenage experience listening to music and the album that that just kind of turned everything around for me was Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill no which shit. yeah, that's of course. that's the one. Yeah. But the gateway to that album was uh, hand in my pocket. And music just hadn't sounded like that to me before it just checked all the boxes had a hell of a hook it couldn't stop it It, it
0: like, was a very popular song was that at that time uh, yes, I guess right yeah yeah. yeah yeah
1: it just changed the game it was a little rebellious it, it was infectious and, and like I listened and and to- a woman. And, and, I'm sure and you identified with the girliness Absolutely. of it all. Absolutely, Feeling all sorts of feelings, a lot of angst in that album, really yeah. a cornerstone of, of, of my life. So, And that got me in the door. I was like, well, hmm, more said what else can I listen to that might be cool? And what else does Steph listen to? Because she was my best friend. At the, yeah. And,
0: yeah, and, what and else I was, was around? Friend. What else were you getting into?
1: Uh, Bush, 16 Stone, um, Stone Temple Pilots, Core. And, like, so when
0: would this have been? Around what year? Like
1: 97. 97.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So so these albums like kind of shaped it. And then Steph picked up a guitar and she's like, "I'm going to learn to play Bush's Glycerine. I'm, I love Gavin Rosdale so much. I want to have all of his babies and I'm I'm gonna play the guitar and then what's gonna happen is that Gavin Rosdale will notice me and I'm gonna be his girlfriend and then we're gonna have babies and, and it's all gonna be because I picked up this guitar. Right. So early connection with like rock, sex, just like you're gonna increase your sexual potency and relevance by picking up this instrument. It's scientifically a solid theory, proven. right? Yeah. <laughs> a, a really solid theory. Yeah
2: so really is true
1: yeah she so so she starts taking guitar lessons and uh sure enough she's playing bush's glycerine and as as i'm watching like what she's doing i'm like okay she she's playing power chords i was (laughs) like i i bet that i could do that and and i bet that i could learn this song faster and, and uh
0: and sure enough i was there a competitive feeling i mean Lightly,
1: S- lightly, yeah. yeah, sure, yeah, because and and in my head I see kind of what she's doing wrong, right, and she she's not hearing it. Though. I I'm wouldn't like, make I, those mistakes. I hear where the song goes. It's not that. Let me show you what it is. Right. So th- there there very much was a little bit of that, but I was right. I could <laughs> yeah. do it. Yeah, I could do it. I could hear it. I could hear kind of how how songs went and and be able to figure them out by ear. So. I started doing that. I begged my mom to buy me an electric guitar from a pawn shop, and my mom, mom kind of sucks. So she, she was like, no, you're, you're, it's terrible. You're, not, you're never going to play it. I was like, no, I am. I promise I will. She caved. So I, I, I started teaching myself to play guitar. I did not have lessons doing this. Was
0: there any level from your mom? Was there any level of, I don't want you to get into this like bad music? Or was it just, you're not going to stick with music at all?
1: It was a an interesting blend of both things. Yeah. Like she because you were she in Catholic school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Catholic school didn't really want me to like. I don't know. Rock and roll apparently has kind of a negative. uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean a negative devil thing kind of, of going course. on with it, and and maybe there like like probably subconsciously there there could have been a little of that, but. She also just thought that I wasn't going to stick to it because, you know, she had paid for piano lessons and I, I had basically... Yeah, you you know, I, I super bailed. Guitar was different. I had to prove it. And I did.
0: Yeah, well... The instrument that you want is a lot different than the instrument you were told to go play. Oh,
1: exactly, <laughs> No exactly. matter what the
0: instrument is.
1: Yeah, and uh, the difference was that now I had control over it. I, I had a better sense of what I wanted in music that, that I was playing and what sounded cool to my ear to be able to do that. So it started with uh, that guitar, and, of course, the objective was, hey, me and Steph are going to be in a band together if, if uh, we're, we're, we're both playing was music. Was this a
0: thing you guys discussed Loosely, Loos- yeah.
1: Loosely, yeah. There's and a lot of
0: those discussions as kids.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Loose kid. We're gonna be we're gonna band. start a band. Absolutely, <laughs> we're gonna start a band. And the other problem was that that like we needed other band instruments, but nobody played the drums. Right. Nobody knew what to do. So, what I started doing when we would listen to like Bush albums was, <laughs> she had a, a a metal bed frame that was like falling apart. So I. I'd take pieces of the bed frame and like these are symbols. This is kind Mashing of a, a snare. Drum kit. Yeah, like yep. a like a bed frame drum kit, but so we'd be playing these songs. I I'd, I'd be drumming along to him and I I got to hear like, "Oh, that's that's where a snare fill goes. This is like how you use toms. These are symbols and you know there there's a ride symbol like I kind of got a sense for for what the parts of the drum kit were. that now were
0: at this time where all this was beginning. Did you have any useful internet access to be helpful, or oh. you were just totally winging this pre pre internet? Totally winging it.
1: Yeah. I don't even think pre good internet. Yeah, yeah, pre pre good internet. Yeah. Th- these uh, were the dial up days of internet. No. I, I would have had to kick my mother off the phone to do anything. No, I wasn't no. going to do that. But so figured out in my ear. I could play drums. I knew I had to use a foot because I could hear what the kick sounded like and and kind of where it had to go. So then my next campaign was, I want to get a drum kit. Of course. And see if I could do that for real. (laughs) But at that point, I had the data point of, I I, I didn't give up on the car, The guitar, I liked the guitar. Right. I, I didn't do the thing you said I would do and quit. So... My mom was an easier sell on the drums, which hmm. would, you know, involve a lot of noise pollution for her way yeah. more than guitar did. Giving a
0: drum kit to a kid is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, you could really ruin your life.
1: You really could. I was probably about 15 at, at that time, and I got my first little guitar center baby, baby, but certainly like baby in terms of the price points of a drum set. It, yeah. it, it was very much a piece of trash. <laughs> yeah. But it it worked. Sure. And man, was I happy with it, too. I, I was selling out my... So did my you and your friend favorites.
0: sort of form a band of some kind?
1: Sort of. Yeah? Um. Yeah, sort of. And other musicians kind of came in and out of our lives. What was um, the name
0: of your first band?
1: Oh, God. Come on, Julie. Probably like Grim Sage or something like that.
0: Grim Sage?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Steph had like always trended... Towards the higher end of the uh, the goth kind of spectrum. Okay. So so she had had black light skulls everywhere,
0: all oh, sorts yeah. of you know, like, this like chick petty. sounded like a lot of fun.
1: She she was and is a lot of fun. Yeah. She, she's she's the lighting best. the
0: incense with the yeah. black lights and freaking out in the bedroom.
1: All of the cool things that I like today started yeah. with yeah. this bedroom. She probably had yeah. some
0: weird crystals in there, I bet. Oh. <laughs> I bet she had crystals.
1: <laughs> just so many weird crystals. Yeah. She did ferns. There's there's <laughs> there's there's always like a fern involved and yeah. a crystal, and yeah. Yeah, that's no weed much... back then. We were doing a little bit of weed a little back weed, then, a teeny bit. Look at that, not not a whole lot. Like, okay. because if you're a teenager and, and you've got weed, like you're getting it inconsistently. It's, right, you don't have a steady way to do these sure. things. Sure, yeah, that's yeah. yeah. hard
0: being a kid on drugs.
1: It is hard, you know.
0: Um, so you get your little band together with your friend and some other people come and go. Are you writing your own songs or are you just playing radio songs or what?
1: We were doing both.
0: Did you play any shows?
1: Not no. <laughs> we we went to music camp in the summers. There was a great like camp through like a music store that no longer exists, but you'd get to go there and rehearse like two or three songs in a week and then record them in a professional studio and then on Friday you'd play a concert. So so we would take these concerts like very very seriously and we we would perform some of our original stuff at these goofy concerts. These songs were terrible. I
0: And you guys got to go up there like a full band, four or five piece band?
1: Sometimes it'd just be me and her okay. both on guitars. Sometimes we'd play with other kids, but, but never anything enduring. Yeah. We did go on to form like kind of a a cover band that okay. had, had a real bassist, real real drummer. <laughs> and that that band gigged pretty frequently.
0: Okay. Down the line, you're probably in and out of some versions of bands like that. Yeah, exactly. And then one day you hit the lottery and linked up and formed the band Noling Bones with me.
1: That was when my life really <laughs> began. Everything up until that moment was kind of preparation for that moment.
0: Yes. So here's the short version. I wanted a band. I've been in bands my whole life, right? I play bass. I do music production. I do a bunch of stuff. Okay. I want to start a new band. And my bright idea is I'm going to start a two-piece band. Why? Well, the reason for a two-piece band is that I've been in bands with all kinds of dudes. I've been in four and five and whatever piece bands for many years. And it's a disaster. Everybody is a disaster. You can't get them to show up at the same time. You can't get them to be on the same page. One's a fuckhead, one's on drugs, one can't make it, one has his girlfriend's birthday party. It's just <laughs> a nightmare. Right. And so I thought, two-piece band's so easy. I'm going to find one dude. All I got to do is get one dude. It'll be so easy. Well, it was really fucking hard. I found every fuckhead drummer in the world. They came to my house with every crazy, crazy drumming, crazy stories. Some dudes didn't own drums or have a car, but they would still answer my ad. You're telling me, dude, you don't own drums, and you have no car, but you want to come be in my band as the drummer. How the fuck are you going to waste my time like this? And so I went through every stupid drummer in the world, and it was really frustrating and long. I played with one guy for a few months, but I couldn't take it anymore. And you, Julie, were the last one. I thought to myself, I was done. I was at the end of my rope. I was frustrated and exhausted and just over it. And I thought, if this last one doesn't work out, I think I'm done. I think I'm retired. It just wasn't meant to be, I guess. And along comes Julie. She writes me an email. She says, I could play these songs. I said, okay, let's just see what you got, bitch. That's Come right. over here. Yeah. And she did. And we began to rock. And so here we are. We played a bit, we wrote some jams and, and made some stuff. And then we didn't for a while fucking covid and a bunch of nonsense was going on and so the band wasn't active and then we got active again more recently we've been active we got some new music we've been playing new shows we've been ruining our lives building oh, all this man, shit
1: financial ruin. financial ruin financial ruin but so worth it because like i think we're in our finest form ever as a band. I feel like we we sound... The joy that it gives me to play (laughs) these songs and do this thing is immense.
0: So first, let's get into some of that stuff. I want to know... I mean, this is the biggest question and the most basic question. What do you like about being in a band? Why is it good?
1: (sighs) The short answer is so many things just just make this worthwhile for me. There is really no comparable energy for me than the energy you get when you're on stage playing in front of people and you you just feel music and life and just the universe kind of buzzing through you in a way that is almost, it's kind of like being high, but it's better. It feels like, like deeper and connected on a more primal, kind of visceral level. I love the feeling of playing music in front of people. Yeah, I, yeah it's, it's, it's magical. It's very special. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's the word, right? That's the connection that I make. I know some people listening might be always looking for the satanic content, right? They want informational or educational episodes or things that are very tied into satanism. And of course, I always say, and life in general, through the eyes of modern Satanists, which is me. And this fits into life in general. But those of you who, like, stay close on all this shit and listen all the time and get into these topics, you know that my my version of satanic magic, if you want to call it that, is essentially sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And man, rock and roll has been the longest running part of that trio because... I got it way before I ever had drugs or sex. I mean, music was planted in my brain at the earliest age, and it's been sprouting ever since. Yeah. And so, yeah, when, when we're playing, it is some kind of magical. It's a wild thing. The other day, I was I forget who I was talking to, talking about the idea of playing a show, and it describes my version of it a little more than yours, but they're pretty similar. I get to go to a show... And I stand usually on an elevated platform, a stage of some kind, with lights shining directly into my eyes. While sweating profusely, I scream into a microphone in front of people in public and sometimes get paid for it.
1: Sometimes we even get paid for it. (laughs) Like, what
0: kind of thing is that to do?
1: (laughs) You never expect to get paid for it.
0: Because, I know on our because, level, like, it, like, money like, is who not. Who does
1: ultimately, unless you're Taylor Swift these days? Right. But sometimes people give us a couple twenties, and it's like that's <laughs> this feels great. Yeah. Like I can't believe somebody paid we me to get do this thing. A
0: hundred dollars for this? Right? You're kidding me. I'm the luckiest man it in the for world.
1: Free, and I have done it. But for yeah, free, I, mean, I, I, I suspect we much. will do it for free. I more would, right? We're not done. Free,
0: free isn't even the half of it because. If we get paid some amount, who knows what amount, but any amount, for every gig that we ever play for the rest of our lives, it will never cover the cost of what we've spent to be in the band.
1: You're you're so right. (laughs) It's been so much money.
0: And I I honestly, you know, look, on one hand, wouldn't I love, I'm sure you're on the same boat, wouldn't we love to get paid a shitload of money? We go play our songs and we get thousands or millions of dollars. That would would be amazing. But- Knowing that I'm probably never even going to come close to breaking even, like when you count in all of it—the amps, the the rig, the bases, the equipment, and cords—and you name it and driving, you add it all up. I'm confident that I'm never even going to break even. Yeah, oh, yeah. And having said that, I'm going to do it anyway. Same. Relentlessly. It.
1: it <laughs> it's not about that. Yeah. It's not about that even a little bit. Yeah. And
0: as I've gotten older, I've 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 been sharing the message with you all the time lately. I don't care about the money at all. Like, I want to spend all my money. And I try to get Julie to spend all of hers. It's. I'm working. like, let's just buy crazy equipment. He's, like, who cares? We're going <laughs> to die. Let's just spend the money. He's,
1: he's really made a great dent in uh, this yeah. mission. I've spent also a lot of money.
0: Yeah. But it's a lot of fun, right? The oh. money, if there's one good way to spend money it is what adds up to fun and
1: joy yeah. joy in this this world that we live in for a time, do things that make you happy, music and spending money on it is so one
0: why of don't things. we all right, we talked about what's a thing we love. we love to play shows. It's a wild magical feeling. there's all these things happening at once it's a it's a multi sensory yeah. experience for yes. sure, but it starts. At home. It starts, you know, in the shower or in the car or whatever. You get a little, you know, sometimes for me, I'll have a lyrical idea. I'll have a phrase or just an idea. Like, I want a song about this, or I want to express this feeling in a song. It's worth it. It's on my mind. You know, I want to spill my guts in this direction. And so what do I got to do? I got to make a song, I guess. I usually like to have music before lyrics, Mm -hmm. So step one is like, all right, I guess I'm going to play my bass. When we started our band, I decided I'm going to play bass in this band. And at that time, I hadn't touched a bass in about 20 years. So I had no idea what I was doing. And I thought, okay, I'm going to write a riff. You need a song? You got to start with a riff, right? Okay, I got a couple notes. sounds like a riff. We'll go with that. I'm going to figure out how to learn a computer program to record my riff so that I remember it and can record a song. So I learn a whole program. And then, oh, God, I I need to figure out drums. I need like, oh, now I have to write all the lyrics? Oh, no, they have to make sense? Do they have to rhyme? There has to be a chorus? Right. Like, this is hard. This is so many challenges after challenges and puzzles on top of puzzles. All of it is a struggle. It is. You have to invent all this shit.
1: Songwriting is... out of thin air. Yeah.
0: One day there's no song. And now we have to make there be a song.
1: Thin air with infinite possibilities for for any tiny thing you could do in the song. You, yeah, you you could take anything, infinity ways.
0: And, and you it's, gotta have it's an hard to you gotta finish one. You there's <laughs> you gotta there's have a lot. you gotta yeah. have a pedal. You gotta have a fucking who knows what. Right. I don't know how to work all this shit. You gotta figure out how to work all the shit and yeah. what the shit even is. How do I get my song that I've half invented in my brain? How do I get it into the world? Uh, Yeah. There's like a hundred processes that you have to go through that we sort of take for granted now. Yeah. We take for granted, like, all right, I'll I'll have I'll send you the demo. Like, think see what you think of the drum part. Dude, that's way down the line. Yeah. And it's only gotten easier. The technology has made it super great for us. Like we can make a really great sounding recording in my little room in the basement. And you know, Julie has her right now, we're sitting out here where we're recording in my garage and directly in front of us. Two feet away is Julie's drum kit uh, because we've been out here practicing sometimes. But in my basement in the house is my little uh, project studio room, whatever. In the basement, it's just a weird room with a computer and a couch and an electronic drum kit for Julie to play. And so we go down there in headphones and we put it all together uh, with the drum kit and the bass and shit. And then we got to figure out how to play it like a real band. We got to bring it out to the garage. And plug in amps and all kind of wild shit with 12,000 wires all over. It's crazy.
1: so many wires now.
0: And and now we have to learn to play the song, which sounds weird. You already wrote and recorded the song. Now you have to learn to play it. They are two different things.
1: Oh, definitely.
0: They are two different things. And then you've done all of this. You started with the air. And you built a song. You made a story. Some of it rhymes, (laughs) you know. And now you're in the garage, you figured out how to play your song. Now what? Fuck, now you got to do it five or six or seven more times. And then you want to play it for people, right? You want to go now, okay, we're a band. I guess we're going to play a show. How the fuck do you do that? You got to just talk to random strangers and be like, my band wants to play at this really great venue on this really great show, and we're going to be great. And they're like, all right, how big is your following? How many people are you going to bring? And you say, well, roughly zero. Because we're brand new and we don't have shit. And they're like, well, no, that's not going to happen. You need to figure this out. And it's a real struggle. But then by some miracle, somebody says, all right, all right, you're going to be the entertainment at my club tonight or this night. And now you have to do that, Julie. How the fuck are we supposed to do all of that in front of actual people? It's crazy.
1: It is crazy. And, like, you're wrestling with it the whole time. You're every part of this is a thing you wrestle with you wrestle to bring a song into existence where where nothing exists then you wrestle with like the business side of it booking your band into gigs yeah um getting people to come to the gigs there's 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 lots of gigs that like you you as the band are responsible for for selling the tickets and kind of promoting it yourself yeah. and on
0: you- our level the quote promoters they don't really promote no. a goddamn thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. So
1: so you take on the burden of selling, you know, x amount of tickets and if if you don't sell those tickets, you are responsible then <laughs> yeah, for right. paying. It's a pay to play kind of situation. Yeah. And it's it's very difficult to be in a band that's that's writing original music and to book shows particularly in our area. Yeah, yeah. It is rough. It's it's very rough around here. it is, yeah. and of so. course,
0: you bump into any number of situations you you know, there's a lot of sort of clicks, you know, clicks based on the sort of scene attached to your genre of music or the age. obviously, you know, I'm an older gentleman now and and of course the this stuff is often a younger man's game, uh, a younger lady's game as well. And so that's a thing, I think. Where do you? When you start being in a band, I was in band all through my 20s and stuff. And when I was 23 years old, we could just tell all our friends, everybody, we got a show at this address on this day. See you there. And they would all show up. And it would be fucking packed in a madhouse. And that was cool. But pull that shit when you're old. You know what I mean? It's not going to happen. Your old ass friends back hurt. And, you know, I got we have one roadie for our band, my good friend, Andy. He's our guy that helps us and, you know, whatever. He's a large, strong man. He couldn't even make it to our last gig because his knee hurt and he was fucking laid up, you know. Some real old people problems. Yeah, we got one roadie. He's fucked up. And so it's a struggle, man. But even that, so we've gone through all this stuff. You know, you pull a song out of your ass. You learn to record it. You learn how to play it. You learn how to get a show. Look, you got to... Now you got a little song you want to put it on the internet, right? You got to design a little album cover. You know, there's just a lot of steps. Where's your album cover come from? (laughs) You know, we got to make it.
1: This man who sits before us today has done a great job of (laughs) of creating really cool art. I've done a job. It's all like it's basically doubling as porn, though. Like there's there's all sorts of like sex paraphernalia. We've got stickers. The stickers are basically. It's two fingers. They're 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 doing a very vaginal kind of thing. They're just two fingers. This, this it's this like guy, a peace sign. This guy made us a hundred percent sex merch. But whatever, it's <laughs> okay. it's awesome. It's very visually appealing. There's a whole color scheme. Our yeah. band is really cool, and and
0: he did do a really good job. Thank you, Joseph. For You're welcome. All that you uh, do for our band. But it's just a lot. Of, there's a lot of jobs. Oh, yeah.
1: So many jobs. You're a designer, you're a musician. (laughs) Let me just go on through an endless list of shit.
0: We're talking about all these gadgets that we use, right? There's so many cords out here. We recently, again, I'm not going to get into the rabbit hole, but we recently put together an in-ear monitor rig. If you know what that means, okay, cool. If you don't, whatever. It's not that important. But it just is a lot of technology. We're bringing with us, not like a drum kit and a bass and an amp, but You know, a thousand fucking gadgets that are connected with a million cords and like shit that needs to be plugged into one another. And, you know, a a crazy rack with cords that are running into me and Julie's heads, literally. And just stuff everywhere. In addition to multiple amps, multiple cabinets, we're a two-piece band with the gear of a six-piece band.
1: Yeah. And it's so stressful to get it set up on stage, too, before we play. Yeah. Yeah. You've well, and not like even 15 on stage minute window, we buy
0: all this shit and plug it in. We don't know how I mean, to work right. it.
1: We don't know what's going on yet. So our, <laughs> our last gig was this dumpster fire of nervous energy where, where i like, I'm sitting on the stage trying to set up completely frozen about to throw up and have a panic attack because we have thousands upon thousands of dollars worth of technology up there with us that I have not the first idea.
0: Yeah. It's How like, did you turn it? the thing on? Right. Okay, yeah, it's yeah. on. Is it turned? can you hear anything? Okay. Is it working? Yeah. Is any of this working? Let's go for it. In front of a live audience. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's Ooh. test it out. Yeah, that was like our first actual test was in front of a show. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I guess it went fine. I mean, I we did have some it. level of technical difficulties. Oh, huge difficulties, but, but still, I mean the joy level was high. Yeah. The
1: monitors worked great.
0: My bass tone was thunderous. Yeah. And yeah, people were jamming. They looked like they were dancing and having fun. Yeah. So joy was success. had
1: joy was created. It was a ex- very successful evening.
0: Yeah. And so how about like playing a gig? When once you've gotten it all together and you've gotten there and you go park your ass at your drum kit for a show, how does that all go? What do you get from that? How do you feel during that?
1: Okay, the pre-show setup has has happened. Someone's given you the go ahead to start your song and and like That's the pregnant moment of like (laughs) something amazing could be born here. And when I count off like whatever the first song is we're playing, like those four clicks
0: just like
1: it lights shit up for me. It just feels so powerful on so many levels.
0: Are you nervous?
1: I don't really get nervous when no? I play in front of people, like like not not prohibitively nervous. Sure, I feel nervous in the way that I think most performers will tell you is like positive energy. Right. Some some athletes will say this. Some kind of butterflies, know, right, or something. right? Right. Butterflies, but not the kind where like oh I'm gonna to throw up because uh, <laughs> right. like like the kind that that make you just want to pump all of the power in your body. Into the thing you're about to do, yeah. That's Like you kind of, you
0: kind of almost get a boner. Yeah, yeah. I, I,
1: such a boner. That's a great way to describe it. Yeah, you, you get a big old energy boner yeah. from from doing this. I do. Yeah, and and sometimes like stuff goes wrong. You make mistakes playing live. I've I've yeah. had drums fall over during gigs. <laughs> like just stuff happens. But but like yeah. you you keep going <laughs> and. Yeah. Yeah, you,
0: it's a real I mean, it's live. Yeah. You know, it is moment to moment. Like it's not we're not improvising. We're not that kind of band. We're playing a song that we know how it goes, but still moment to moment, note by note, it's happening in real time and anything can happen. Yep. And you know, it does. you go for that note, it might not land just the way your voice, yeah. your drum, and, your fucking sweating like, your eye.
1: Right. And and there's there's so many other sensory inputs. There's lights. Sometimes you can barely see your fretboard or yeah, or your drums or anything. There's there's lights. There's oh, and smoke plus you know, sometimes.
0: depending on the night, depending on the gig, we might be any level of stoned.
1: Yeah, it's true. Sometimes we you're sober. Sometimes get...
0: you're too stoned. Sometimes you're just the right amount of stone. Yeah,
1: yeah. We we try not to get like stupid stoned before right. gigs, but sometimes it happens.
0: I time uh, I like to get a little in me yeah. just to like. <sighs> Just relax, just get that little bit right. of relaxed going. Like, all right, let's get in the moment and see what happens here. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of fun. The spontaneity of it all is exciting. Very. Yeah. How about goals and expectations or things like that? Do you have any type of goals related to your playing in a band or anything?
1: I'd say the majority of my goals are emotional ones. Like, I, I want to always feel like I'm doing a thing that I like that that feels good to do. I think it's good to have realistic goals about stuff like this because, cause just For like sure. like we've discussed, like we're probably not going to be Metallica level <laughs> famous yeah. from doing this, probably not. But <laughs> along the same line, i I always do have have kind of loose goals. Like, yeah i'd 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 love to see our our, our band get a little following or like maybe more and more people start coming out to shows and and little by little it's like yeah we've got kind of respect in the local scene people know of us think think we're kind of cool and yeah yeah i do want to grow
0: yeah i guess that's similar i mean i'll get specific goals of like specific things i want to accomplish like i want us to release an ep this year or whatever it might be or uh, specific things like that, or I want our music on vinyl. That's a goal, Julie. Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk more, about it some more.
1: An expensive goal. yes. Another goal that'll require me to uh, open Just the old money throw bags. Throw the money the away. The Fuck it. McDuck money bags. Fuck yep. it. Yeah. Um,
0: but then I have sort of relative goals, things like I'd like to see a progression, like what you say, like I'd like to see maybe better shows or more people come to shows or more shows generally. Like let's Right now, getting into decent shows is a little bit of a struggle where we're at right now. We're newly back in action. And in the time that we were away, which is a few years, the scene feels really different. It does. The process, the the venues, the people, it seems really different from pre-COVID to now. And I don't exactly know what eh, has caused all that, but it's weird and it's a little bit of a struggle right now. But we've played a couple shows, we've got a few more booked, and we're going to keep yeah. keep working on it. And yeah, that's where I'd like to see some sort of progression. But honestly, almost regardless, I mean, maybe it could go terribly. Maybe I could be discouraged by some level of just terrible <laughs> shit happening. But almost regardless of how that progression goes, I'm probably still going to be into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, Like, right. I can hardly imagine a scenario where I'm like, all right, well— we didn't play at the tla so i quit <laughs> you know like that's right. probably not going to happen right. anytime
1: i'm never going to stop doing this like yeah. i i absolutely can see myself as an old withered crone of a woman <laughs> and i still get joy from from like picking up a guitar and writing a song yeah. or or, or getting behind a drum kit and, and just like smashing the shit out of some drums. I'm always going to love that until the day that I die. I'm certain I I will still want to be doing that.
0: Yeah. And that's nice. Oh, I don't have any script or anything as if that wasn't obvious at this point. <laughs> um, I didn't do that, but I have vague little notes here. And one of the notes that I have was just says technical ability versus passion. Yeah. and so yeah. let's talk oh, about that. that a little bit I where do you land that. on this how do you feel about these different attributes
1: it's it's funny because these these are like the intangibles of this whole thing so Nolan bones's songs what drew me to this guy immediately when he took out an ad for like come and play the drums in my band come on everyone <laughs> and i was like all right like if you're sh- you're band shopping on the internet, you you expect there to be be like kind of a sample of the kind of songs the person's writing, what they sound like, yeah. like like the production value so you kind of have a sense of what's going on. When I heard this man's music in his ad, I I was like so impressed on a number of levels, but one was like how big and epic and powerful the song sounded. While doing very little, there's a simplicity to our, our music that, like, it, it just is really resonant and really effective. It's, it's heavy, like, it, it goes right into your vein in, in, in a way that, like, you don't need 400 cymbals and drums or to be very rhythmically or, or very melodically complex to be interested in it. Yeah. It's, it's simple and powerful and does a lot with a little. And that is how I feel that, that a lot of the really great music out there is.
0: Now, someone was recently asking me about you as a drummer, like just saying, oh, is she, is she good? What kind of drummer? Whatever. And I'd never really thought about it on that level. And I, I think I told them, I was like, you know, I don't know. I think she's good. Like whatever that means. Good means nothing, really. You know, I think you're great for Knolling Bones. If if I put you and said, okay, now be in dream theater. Oh, yeah. Would you be good? I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know even how you view your own level of technical ability as a drummer or anything because our music doesn't call for the pushing of those limits. Right.
1: Very but true. where
0: do you find yourself on the as a technical drummer? Do you care about that even?
1: I care about being able to play cleanly first and foremost yeah. and like i also care about playing stuff that sounds cool and and sounds like it's difficult to play or like they like kind of technical but mainly i i care about it sounding clean um having been self taught as a musician for all all of these things like like i i don't have uh, a super deep pool of technical knowledge to draw from beyond the stuff that thanks to the miracle of the internet, like I, right. I can Google like YouTube videos or, or people giving kind of te- technical lessons or tutorials. So all the little bits and pieces I've, I've come upon that have, have shaped the way I play kind of have, have come from places like that. Yeah. But and
0: you've, you never had drum lessons. Correct.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally self-taught. and, what ended up really being my biggest guide in terms of all right i want to be able to play things is my ear like i yeah. i kind of pick things up by ear i i know what these fills should sound like timing wise what it has to be so so any technicality that's in my playing is is just just me trying to imitate what i think do
0: drums you have, should sound like um do you have favorite or or influential drummers
1: if I had to really like in my particular style and the drummer that I identify with most is is definitely Dave Grohl. Like he, like, and like he, he hits the shit out of the drums. He's a really hard hitter. Mm -hmm. Also kind of a self-taught guy. So, so he's, he's just doing what he, he, he thinks feels right. He's doing it with passion. He's doing it. He's just out there doing it. I'm a Dave Grohl style of drummer. All right, that's that's what I'm bringing to this. Yeah. Dave Grohl energy.
0: Huh. And yeah, I, I don't play the drums, but you know I love the drums. Of course, I love rock and roll. And my favorite drummers are all typically drummers that aren't known for like their outlandish technical yeah. performances. You yeah. know, the ones that I always name are Phil Rudd, who was uh, the drummer of ACDC. He played on the Back in Black album. Uh, which is a clear indication of his drumming style, and Vinny Appice, who has played in Black Sabbath and played with Dio. Uh, he plays on the Holy Diver album. To me, that's my favorite, probably, Vinny' performance is that album. Um, and again, you know, he's a great drummer. He does great shit, but he's not like a, uh, a prog rock drummer. You know, he's not in yes or he's not like Danny Carey from Tool. I love Danny Carey oh, from Tool. Him. He's another one. Love. But if drummer. Danny Carey tried to pull that shit in my band, I would throw him right out. There's no <laughs> room for that shit in my band. Right,
1: right. You know, True. and
0: that is is a great way to look at the technical ability versus passion or style or whatever you want word you want to use there. Danny Carey, maybe the greatest drummer alive, maybe mm. the greatest drummer ever alive. Right, um, he's tremendous and musical and creative and just it's it seems impossible what he does on the drums. Really, it it, it doesn't seem like one guy should be able to do all that at the same time, so but true. yet he does. Yeah, but he would be he would ruin ACDC. Oh yeah, he would ruin Black Sabbath. Yeah, you're right. You know? He would. He would ruin it. He,
1: he could not be in those bands. Yeah. yeah, absolutely not.
0: So many different wonderful flavors out there yeah. of all this stuff. What else, Julie? What are we missing? What do we need to share with the music consumers of the world about being on this side of the thing?
1: I'll 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 go to a place with this. Okay. So <laughs> another part of being in any creative project but definitely specifically in bands is it's very vulnerable nobody really talks about how vulnerable it is but as as a creative writing a thing sharing and in many ways exposing like a very deep part of yourself yeah and then taking it to 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 anyone taking it to to people in public clubs or venues or places you're playing sure But also even just taking it to the people you're in bands with. That's what I was thinking It's really vulnerable. It's very vulnerable. Yeah,
0: yeah. All right, let me paint a picture for you all. Julie just had a bad breakup with her boyfriend. You know, this is a hypothetical story. A young Julie, she's uh, 22 years old. She's had a breakup with her boyfriend, and she's really sad. And she decides, "Ah, this is the worst. I'm going to die. I need to write a song about it. And she picks up her little guitar And she works out a whole number. She writes out some lyrics. She's expressed this real sincere, deep thought into a song that she wants to play in her band. She brings it to band practice. And some of her band members think, I don't really like it. Yeah. I don't like that riff. Yeah. I don't like those words. I don't think it works. It doesn't sound right. Meh. Now, what the fuck? You just poured your soul, your real life into a thing. And like, ultimately, got rejected. You trusted them, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: So that's you take all this shit
0: seriously on some level. Yes. Even though we're not like, art, we're gonna get rich. We're gonna get signed to the big record company and tour the world. All right, fine. But it's still your art.
1: It's still you. It's
0: your creation as a person. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're a creator out there, that's what this all comes down to. You know, I, I talked earlier a little bit about consumers and creators. Unless you've been there, it's hard to really understand it. If you're just a person that likes listening to music, that's great, and I'm one of those too. But man, that process is everything. It's emotional, it's stressful, and yeah, even if you just you just got a riff, forget about even the whole breakup with your boyfriend. You got a riff, you think it sounds cool. I bring it to Julie; she thinks it sounds dumb. Well, fuck, that's a heartbreaker, right? You know, yes. And you have to be willing to have that interaction and that conversation yes you yeah. trust that your bandmate or bandmates are, aren't there to do you harm everybody just wants what's best for the band they want to agree and feel jazzed about the song but not everybody will always feel it's, jazzed
1: it's so interesting because a lot of people can't tolerate this kind of creative butting of heads i think yeah. it rocks you think it's lame fuck this We quit. We're not a band
2: anymore. Like so
1: so many bands, I think just dissolve because people cannot handle. Well, how many bands
0: have ever broken up, and the cause was creative differences? Right. That's the like cliche. That's what it is. And really, a lot of times, it's that. Sometimes it's a woman. Sometimes it's cocaine. But a lot of times, it is creative differences. Yeah. Finding
1: people you can can create with long term to have these kinds of feedback interactions with, hey, I'm not into that, what if we do this to it? Or what if we put this on the shelf for a while and work on this instead? Having people you can relate to on on that level and, and keep getting enough positivity out of the interaction to want to keep having it and keep doing it over yeah. many years, I, I think it's really rare. Yeah, And I, I, I think that, yeah, it's
0: just, it's really rare. Do you have any noteworthy experience at a show or a, or a band happening?
1: I've had some pleasant surprises. One of my favorite pleasant surprises was was that show we would played in uh, Jersey oh, where yeah. where it okay, this our was first our, our, our first show back after 4 years away. We we hadn't really promoted it with our friends. The show was 3 hours from from where we live, so so we also weren't expecting people to, to go to it. Right. like let alone peer pressure them into going to it. It (laughs) was was just not going to be a thing. Yeah. But we, we got to this club, we set up like everything goes wrong during the setup. (laughs)
0: Well, everything.
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, but then we start playing, and like shockingly, this room is packed. And equally shockingly, like people are into it.
0: Hottest show we, of my oh life. Oh my
1: god! It was a million degrees. Air conditioner we were broke. Dying. It, it was nuts. But but <laughs> but people came into this room. People who were not already our friends.
0: Yeah, nobody and, there was our friends. Yeah, we and knew no like, one there.
1: A step less. I think the people putting on the show were like these guys are douchebags, these, these fucking band. Like, like people may have gone into that set disliking us a little bit, but. We and, turned them. We did. Like I, I, I could just see people kind of moving and reacting and being kind of into it. And, and from drumming on stage, this is our first show back.
0: And like, we were yes! the first band of the night. Right. We were right. the opening band. And so sometimes just by just, if you're just the default opening band, then a lot of times that's, not good for the reception you're going to get a lot of people don't care about the first band they don't want to watch the first band and they're just already writing you off right um you're just an obstacle between them and who they're there to see yeah
1: and and like you but not the case you kind of hope against hope that like like people are just going to find their way in to you know get ears on you and 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 that it's all going to come together and that night, it did. People were in that room and listening to us and liking it. Yeah. And it, it, that was a pleasant surprise. Yeah,
0: that bit. one was exceptionally, as far as the actual performance, it was exceptionally um, challenging, I found. Like, first of all, it was four years separated from our last show, and we hadn't been playing or practicing much or anything. So that alone was was technically, you know, as far as muscle memory and playing accurately and well, that was going to be a struggle. And then I had nervousness because I haven't been playing shows at all in all this time. And it was the first show. I didn't feel nervous leading up to it. I was like, all right, just back to a show. But when I got up there and it was just about time to go, I was like, oh, this is real. Now I have to do this thing. How do I play a bass? I don't know. Um, What are the words to my songs? I don't know. I got to figure it out right fucking now. And then of course the air conditioner was out. So it was the hottest show of my life. Not only are you being blasted with hot lights right above your head, your adrenaline is blasting, everything is going. So I'm literally blind with sweat. My hands and arms are slick. My bass is just getting away from me. Yeah. Um. I couldn't hear shit. We didn't have our in ear monitors.
1: Yeah. Oh, we didn't we, have
0: time for we a couldn't sound hear check.
1: A goddamn thing. So
0: it just Wait. turned into an aggressive sort of outpouring. Yeah, is oh, what yeah. it was.
1: So he's he's just screaming harder than I've ever heard him scream. He's, he, he's just slamming on the bass. Who the hell knew what notes he was playing? <laughs>
2: not I, me. I, I, <laughs> not I couldn't me.
1: hear him. I, I couldn't hear shit. I'm pounding the damn drums, just hitting like way harder than I even would need to hit to be effective. But like we compensated for not being able to hear and, and for all the cast with just energy.
0: Yeah. We, yeah I we think anybody everything... that liked us that night, we got them on... Just pure emotional aggression, you know, rather than finesse.
1: Right. Oh, totally. Uh,
0: There was no finesse that night. (laughs) There
1: was so much aggression.
0: Yeah, we had to... I don't know. We just had to get it out of our system, I think. Yeah. You know, it was bound to happen. Yeah. Uh, Well, Julie, have we done it? What do you think? Have we covered this? The the joys of being in a band? I think so. We could probably talk about it all fucking day. We
1: probably could.
0: There's a lot of downsides to being in a band. Sometimes it's stressful and annoying.
1: I mean... What I'm thinking of reasonably presenting downsides here. I I don't see many.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the good outweighs the bad, <laughs> the so just, we keep doing it. The
1: downside is that I don't have any money to spend on food and shelter, and my children are starving now because of my habit Fuck Come, we got a rock,
0: Julie.
1: I, this just feels more important.
0: You <laughs> only live once. We've got a rock. Um. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's it. Our band. I guess should we tell them the name of our band?
1: Yes. Again, Again. so they remember,
0: guys. Our band. Is called Knolling Bones. K-N-O-L-L-I-N-G. Bones. Check us out on all of your streaming platforms or Bandcamp or whatever the fuck you guys want. Uh, And if you uh, live in whatever area we're playing, come and see us. Okay? Please. Is this it, Julie? We've done it. We did it. All right. Thank you very much, Julie, for joining me and talking about this topic.
1: Thank you for having me. It was great.
0: All right. I will leave you guys. With one of the silly Knolling Bones songs that Julie and I like to play together, enjoy a little jam called Shake It Up. Until next time, Hail Satan.
2: With a mark and a story to tell Let's. Show-